en een hartelijke goeie morgen. Welkom bij ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte vir vraag waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord. En Psalm 119, sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Gee jou geloof vleels, ontdek die lewe saam met 657 AM. Is waar jy ingeskakel is, en een hartelike, vriendelike radiokansel. Goeiemorgen, vanuit ons ateliers hier in Kilnerpark, op hierdie dinsdag 18e juli jaar van ons jaar 2023. Nog een inzet van skrifteerlik, waar ek en jy saam met Rocky Stevenson die skrifte onderzoek, en as jy dalke vraag het, ergens het iemand iets gesê wat net nie sin maak nie, woord wat jy miskien nie verstaan nie, skrif wat nie sin maak nie, dan stuur jy het vir ons in hierdie program via WhatsApp en ons onderzoek saam met jou die skrifte, om te kyk of hierdie dinge so is. So belangrijk, jy stel nie belang in ons opinie en mense opinie nie, maar toch gee die woord van die Heere. Een antwoord vir elke denkbare, moendelike uitdaging wat ons in die gezicht kan staar. En daarom wil ons jou nooit, kom soek saam met ons die skrifte een onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte, en dit wat jy hoor hier volgend, so belangrik, om self ook te gaan seker maak, dis goed om na Rocky te luister in Weinand en Radio Kansel, maandelinge 17.11 sê, onderzoek die skrifte jouself dagelijks, om te kyk of hier die dinge dan so is. Well, before we carry on, Pastor Rocky Stevenson, as always, faithfully on his uh, uh, post, and uh, a warm hearted good morning to you, Rocky, how are you keeping? Morning, Weinand, so good to be here, thank you, man. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you on board, and uh, yeah, it's cold where he comes from, from Benoni, uh, Benoni pastor at Benoni Bible Church. If you want to contact him, we'll give that uh, email address right at the end of this program. Once again, Rocky Time is not really on our side. It's a very short program. Weekly, we find it to be so. So let's kick off and start with 1 John 5, 16 and 17. Somebody who forwarded that to us, uh, in Johannes 5, verse uh, 16 and 17. Uh, Rocky is going to read it in uh, English as well, but uh, in Afrikaans dit sê, as iemand sy broer a sonde sien doen wat nie tot die dood is nie, moet hy bid en hy sal hom la- lewe gee. Vir die wat a sonde tot die dood nie doen nie, daar is a sonde wat tot die dood, daarvoor sê ek uh, nie dat hy moet bid nie. Uh, interessant, it's confusing when you read it, it just doesn't make sense if you read it just without context. Rocky, what is the English say? 1 John 5 and verse 16, 17, a anonymous listener that asked the question. Yes, it says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death. So sin that does not lead to death is a sin that is committed by a Christian who is still in a relationship with God. This type of sin can be forgiven by God through prayer. 
sin that leads to death is a sin that is committed by a Christian who has deliberately rejected God. And this type of a sin cannot be, in a, that, that sin actually leads towards death in this life. And so I guess it is a difficult passage to think through in many respects. But there is sin that leads to death, and we're told you don't need to pray for that because um, there's a consequence. And what we need to realize is that there always is consequence for sin. And we need to be able to bear that consequence as we face it. But there are sins that do lead to death, and there are sins that can be forgiven by him. And First John 1 John 1.9 says if we, you know, we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to yeah. forgive us. And so this is part of what we see, I guess, in this. And, I, and, I, and I, the listener is probably asking this. It came actually through via email yeah. because there's this wonder, you know, what is the sin that leads to death? What is this? And is it talking about even salvation issues, etc.? Would you give some examples of sins that leads to death? Sure. Um, some possible examples, and, and we don't have a... Uh, you know, much in this text itself, but some possible examples of sin that leads to death could include deliberate rejection of God. So when you know a that God, heart. yeah, a hardened heart, you know that God has said do this, but you refuse to do it and you deliberately don't do it. Or you know that God has said uh, don't do this and you deliberately still do it. That would be a deliberate rejection of God. That's different from a sin that is done in a sense of you kicked your toe and you said something that you shouldn't have said or you know in that moment type of a sin where you do still confess to the lord but where you know that what you're doing is wrong and you choose to do that there's that deliberate rejection then of god unbelief would be another example of the sin that that a possible example of sin that leads to death apostasy now apostasy remember is where we see somebody that once was walking like a christian but actually is not a christian somebody like a judas is a example of an apostate another man that i mean the first man in the bible cain um, was an apostate that's the first apostate that we see that deliberately when god told him sin is crouching at the door you must rule over it he then still went and sinned against his brother and killed his brother abel and he became a wanderer on the earth and yet he knew the truth but he turned deliberately away from it so that's apostasy and then um you know these are these these are some of these serious sins that are committed without repentance in many respects and that may lead to death and so we do see even in first corinthians 11 an example of that where there was the eating of the lord's supper yeah. with with a wrong attitude and and without that kind of remembrance and looking forward to the return of the lord jesus christ but even heaping on themselves judgment we should ourselves examine our own heart before the Lord and make sure that we are, are living in a way that is honoring to Him. All right. Rocky, speak to me quickly about a true repentance. You've just used those words. Mm. How do I know? I mean, we've got the example of, of Judas Iscariot that, uh, that went back, gave the money back, uh, felt, uh, I'm not even sure if the word remorse is correct. And we have Peter denying the Lord Jesus mm. Christ. Um, what is the difference? How do we know? What is true repentance? If I, uh, can I use yes. the words willfully sinned before the Lord? How do I know if God has forgiven me? Yeah. And, um, you know, the life of the Christian is a repentant life, but an always repenting life. It's a life that constantly looks to the Lord Jesus and seeks to, to honor him. It's not something just as, it's not just a sorriness 
over sin. Oftentimes, you can, the sorriness is because of what it's done for you and the fact that there's this consequence that is on you. It's much more than that. It's a complete change of attitude towards sin and a change of attitude towards the Savior from sin. We no longer see it as something that's okay or even fun. We turn fully away from it. It's not just not doing that sin. There's a complete heart change regarding that sin. And we see it as something that is wrong as well as harmful. And we want to then try and turn from it. Repentance also leads to a change in our behavior. It also looks like accepting the consequence that our sin has caused. Repentance looks like seeking reconciliation, not just with our Heavenly Father in a horizontal type of a way, but there's a vertical sense where we seek to make right with our brothers and sisters around us or those that we have sinned against. Even if it were our enemy that we sinned against, we go and we make right as best as what we can, and that restitution is made as best as what we can, and we leave the rest of the result up to God. We can't force somebody to forgive us, for example. But we ought to go and seek forgiveness from. And we no longer want to do the things that we used to do. That's what repentance looks like. We want to live a life that now is pleasing to God. And so we put off and we renew our mind and we put on. It's like what Paul said of the thief that no longer steals but goes out and he works with his hands so that he can then provide something to those that are in need. So that always looks like an equal opposite as far as, you know, now the thief no longer steals. The yeah. thief now goes, works, yeah. and the thief now gives. And so it looks like, and, and I think that this is something that the Puritans often did. They wrote about, and you can research it. I think it was Tim Challies, I believe it was. He did like a good um, kind of summary of some of the Puritans' writings on something called the mortification of the flesh. That's an excellent, excellent concept, which I think is often not spoken about in our day. But the Puritans had a wonderful way of saying, well, what sin is it that you're actually battling with? Now look at what the equal opposite of that sin is as far as the biblical truth of God's word so that you're not just not doing that sin, but you're actually putting on that new habit and that new righteousness that you find within God's word. So true repentance is not easy. It's a battle. But it's a battle that we can win with the help of God because he gives us his Holy Spirit who's there and willing to help us with it. And we're able to look to God's word for the truth in his word. And when we repent, we can ask God, please, Lord, forgive us. Help us to change. I'm, I'm, you're faithful in able to, being able to help me. We cry out to him and he helps us. That doesn't always mean that we're going to just get over it in a moment. Yeah. You know? But here's some of the key elements of, of repentance. There's sorrow for sin. There's a confession of sin, there's a forsaking of sin, and then there's a restoration, and that's part of that restitution as we spoke about. When that is happening, you start to see that sin begins to diminish and diminish, and the righteousness of God begins to kind of be more present. Now, I want to make it more real. Rocky, sorry, I'm pushing the Mm. issue, but I want to make it more real. What about, we've created these politically correct fancy words that we use like relapse, and 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 there are say for instance somebody is smoking struggling with the addiction of smoking and five years three months down the line six months down the line you've really come to repentance you really come to be spiritually reborn and six months down the line you can i use the word relapse and you light a cigarette and the bible says uh, you know when you sweep the house and it is clean mm. and you get rid of all these these addictions and these demons and blah 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 Six months down the line, you relapse, and they come back ten times worse. Is that even possible? What about relapsing? What about 
these yeah, fancy I, I think, words we create. I think that at times we are humbled because, you know, First Corinthians ten twelve says, he that thinks he stands, take heed, lest he yeah. fall. All right. And I think there are times where we start to forget that we need the help of the Lord in regard to these these things, whatever the sin may be, whatever, and in, in particular addiction. I mean, addiction is something that grabs a hold of somebody so yes. much. And, and, and something like an addiction for smoking. When somebody's addicted to smoking or pornography, yeah. they're not just physically addicted to the nicotine, you know, and they're not just physically addicted to the stimulation visually the dopamine, when it comes yeah. to the pornography. There's actually this mental and emotional addiction that's beginning to be there. And there's even a hormonal and even sometimes chemical as far as the brain is concerned. And so with the trying to quit smoking and going back to it time after time, uh, there, there becomes this addiction in a in a very complex kind of a problem, but that's not something that the Lord doesn't is not aware of. And there's also sometimes those the the consequences of the life of addiction in that sense. And there's so there's much that you begin to face, and I think that it does humble an individual and cause them to to look to the Lord. And sometimes we're very isolated in our world today, and we don't have the help of other brothers and sisters around us. And sometimes we reject some of the means of grace that is available for us. And so I do think that when there's that moment, if you use the word like a relapse, if there's that moment of a relapse, it's a time to actually sit down and actually refocus and go, Lord, you know, I really need your help with this. And I've maybe become a bit prideful, thinking that somehow I've been done with this for six months, and now all of a sudden it hits me again. And so it's important then to not give up, not to backslide, not to go further into sin, to be honest with God with where you're at at that moment, to confess your sin, to not beat yourself up in that sense, but to pick up where you left off, to get up again, dust yourself off, look to Christ and look to his grace. And here's just a couple of practical things. You said, let's get real a bit for this. And and I think that's what's helpful to kind of let the rubber hit the tar. Talk to somebody that you trust. You know, go to somebody in that moment because you should actually get to a place where you can become proactive and even call somebody before it happens. And so you want to be honest about this. Any time that we leave sin in the darkness, it kind of takes a hold of us. We should have somebody that we can go to and talk to. Uh, you know, all temptation is not uncommon to man. We all go through these things. There must be a friend or a family member or somebody within the local church that you could go to and tell them about this and speak through the process of your emotions that are even involved. Think through this. Write a battle plan. I think that that's helpful. You write a battle plan. Write down, why did I go back to this? After six months of not doing this, what emotional state was I in? What was it that I, what triggered me? What triggered me to do this? How can I avoid this further? So then you set realistic goals and you don't try to then like in a sense quit cold turkey with something like smoking. I mean, you know, you, you might be able to actually set a, a plan in place. How many can I reduce now? How can I get back to this? How can I work on this? Get into day zero in a sense. You can then find also coping mechanisms that, that will be a replacement of that habit. You know, for example, pornography, the major issue is an intimacy issue. So where's my intimacy issue really at? It's an intimacy issue with God. How can I become more intimate with the Lord? What's my Bible study like? What is my time of prayer like? How can I foster that? How can I grow that and think through a battle plan to do that? And then don't be afraid to ask somebody to help. You know, look to look to the Lord um, and the means of grace that he gives 
and and very often times this is part of that journey of becoming more saintly and what we call sanctification yes so continue to repent continue to look to christ for the help that he that he will provide in those times of difficulty thanks rocky 22 after 11 if you've got a question you want us to tackle send it to 082 657 if there's a scripture attached to it, send it through. It just makes life a little bit easier in the studio. I'm going to, for the sake of this next question, keep the uh, listener anonymous. I can see a name clearly there on WhatsApp. Maar dit sê goeiemorgen, ek hou van gee. En gee graag, al is dit my laaste. My man hou nie baie daarvan nie, en hy sê, mense en vooral die familie vat advantage van my giving spirit wat ek het. Ek wil nie die heel tyd met my man beklui oor hierdie story nie, maar ek wil ook nie God kwaad maak nie, en nie gee as ek eindelijk moet gee nie. How am I to handle this? Rocky, uh, perhaps you can just, for the sake of our English listeners, just work through that one. Uh, it's... <laughs> What does the Word of God say with regards to that? And I know we, we God loves a joyful giver, and I, but yeah, life is real, grassroots level. How are we to handle this in marriage life? Yeah, the, the, the simple answer is submit to your husband. And the, the husband is given to be not just your provider, but also your protector. And if your husband is seen that, that yeah, my wife is getting taken advantage of, um, in regard to her family and and regard and she's got this heart that really wants to give, you can also find better ways to to sometimes give, and and you must recognize the spiritual authority that God has over you, and it is always better to not have tension between your husband. Remember that you're going to be at home with your husband all the time. You're not going to be with your family or your friends that you're giving to, and so sometimes you got to like I think look at your own. Um, your own situation and and realize that the Lord has given you a husband that is there for your protection and there may be something true in what he is saying. You can communicate this with him. You can respect him in that sense where you respect the boundaries that he might give as well with regard to this. You can communicate this with him and you can actually sit down and, and think through a way that you could give in a way that would that he could give with you. And, and where it's both you and him because And you both agree on and it. And you're both agreeing on it. Because yeah. when you're married you are one flesh, and so husband and wife are one in Christ. And so you do need to be able to think through these things. Now, it may also be that you've been manipulated in the past, and your husband can see that. And he can see that, that people pull on your emotions, and uh, whenever they want to get something, they turn to you. You're the favorite aunt or the favorite sister or this favorite individual to go to to get something when you need it. And you may even sacrificially give, which, I mean, that is a good godly principle to yeah. sacrificially give. But even through... And I, and I guess maybe it would be helpful to go through something like Randy Alcon's book called The Treasury Principle. That's a wonderful little book to go and buy that's um, helpful in thinking through this if you want to go and read about this a bit more. And there are right means of giving, and there's also wrong means of giving. Yeah, yeah. And there's times where some may even do genuinely take advantage of you. So trust your spouse as well. You know, Trust your husband. Speak to him. The Bible has wonderful principles in regard to um, just looking at your husband as the one that is to be your protector and your provider. Rocky, I want to come in here once again, make it more real. But where we had somebody that said, well, 
My, I earn more than my husband. We have two separate accounts. I'm the giver. I like giving because I earn enough money. My husband does not earn that much money and therefore a bit stingy. And am I still to, to submit to my husband, even though we run two separate accounts, we, uh, Simonier, we are one, and yes, I suppose the, the salary that comes in is for the household and for both of us. Uh, this is grassroots level stuff. How am I to handle that? I'm not sure if you're trying to get me into trouble here, Vaynon. <laughs> <laughs> Today's world is, I think, so much, so, so devoid of scriptural reality, and it has gone so far away from often what the biblical norm and the biblical best is. And with recognizing that we know that we are in a broken world, we know that um, you know we have oftentimes entered into the control that there is within this world and even Satan's desire to break down the family. Yeah. The way that Kevin Swanson has put it, he said, first the dad left the home in the Industrial Revolution. And then the mom left the home when it came to women's liberation. And then the children left the home with the schooling education system. And the whole home economy, which was meant to be the way that that the family operated, has been disintegrated. And so often we have shipped out all of these things. And I think for Christians, you do want to get back to a place where you are free from some of the system that is around us. However, we are in this world. We are not of this world. But we do look at the biblical principles that there are, and what we do see in God's word is that the husband is the head of the wife, and that's biblical. You you, you can't get away from that. Um, and we also know that the husband is meant to lead his home. Eve was deceived. Adam was not. Adam actually jumped willfully into sin. But God's norm is that the head of the home is the is the husband over his wife. And there is meant to be that biblical order. And when we reject biblical order, then the consequences come where we have such unhappiness. And maybe just an easy way of thinking through this, when, when we're sad, it's because there's sin. When we're happy, it's because there's holiness. And God's way sets out for us the way of happiness. And so if you take God's word and you take his word at his word, and you instead of going to these arguments of, oh, but that was written so long ago and it's not relevant. God's word is absolutely relevant. And it speaks into these type of questions when it comes to husbands, wives, when it comes to who's the head of the home, who's not the head of the home. Who makes the and call even, on the finances. Even the fact that the Bible repeats it often, wives, submit to your own husbands. It doesn't yeah. say submit to everybody else. Yeah. And I do think, and I question to myself, how, how easy is it for a wife to be submitting to her own husband when she's having to submit to the boss at work or the structure? at work or the and and even what you see in Timothy is that a wife ought to be a worker at home and you do see these realities now the industrious woman of of um, you know Proverbs 31 comes to mind that doesn't mean that there isn't this industry and that yeah. there isn't this making of wool selling it going out far buying a field and you actually see in Proverbs 31 that the woman there doesn't even uh, go to her husband about the field. She considers the well, I'm field. Thinking of and Lydia. she has the money and she buys it and yeah. she does it. You know, Lydia, a seller of purple garments, and yeah. she was part of the church in Philippi. Yeah. And so you do have industriousness, but you have these women submissive to their own husbands and, and doing what they're doing for the help of their home. And so I do think that this comes back to the, the world is very broken. We often have very broken family situations. And you can be real about that. You can assess where your family is at, but then go to the Bible and say, I want to live the way that the Bible teaches me this. Because as soon as I don't, a sadness comes in. There's so I do hope that that is helpful. <laughs>
Thanks, Rocky. The uh, telephone number in studio, WhatsApp 082-657-2729. Ikasa says, we've got to play some music as well. Also got a very interesting question. Can a person extend their life on earth or live longer than they were originally meant to? And how do we know if that's even possible? Uh, does scripture give us any indication? Another question that we'll be tackling, but uh, first time for some uh, music. And we're going to listen to uh, Three Seas Live, a song called Every Day of My Life. You've got a question, send it in. Steer it in. 0826572729. Engels, Afrikaans, maak die saak. Steer it dier. Ons gebruik Google Translate en ons kyk graag en ondersoek saam met jou die skrifte. Ons is hier tot 12 uur. From your ear to your heart to your mouth to your feet join this life on 657 am yeah, join this life join this program and uh, we're here until uh, 12 o'clock we had an off-air discussion uh, quickly and rocky said listen brother we need to balance that as well because when we talk about marriage and the woman uh underneath the husband's umbrella as the husband is underneath christ's umbrella if i can use those metaphors um, when it comes to money, we've got a whole different mindset sometimes, and uh, well, we need to agree. And Rocky, you made a very off, a very interesting off-air statement, saying God has given unto man the help meet, the wife on his side, and sometimes men are not good with money. Mm. Uh, that's one of the building blocks of our faith. Iman uh, uh, you, if you really want to mess with somebody, you know, just seize his pocket, seize his purse, seize his money, and you see where his faith really lies. Yes. So we need help, and God has given us a help. I mean, sometimes women are better with money than men. Not yeah, so. and you've probably heard the saying that opposites attract, and oftentimes that's the reality in marriages. God gives you an exact help meet that you need, and it's helpful to have those discussions and that honesty. To, to actually say, but I'm not really good at this. Yeah. You know? um, you're better at this. For example, my wife is better with yeah. the money than what I am. But there's and an so agreement between the two. There's an agreement. And a talk. You know, so I may, I may well earn the money, but, yeah. but she well helps think through it uh, yeah. better. And, okay, this needs to go there. We've got um, my wife's pregnant at the moment, um, almost halfway through that. I think it's a few weeks before halfway through pregnancy. And we've got a whole bunch of money we've got to spend yeah. towards different things. And then you've yeah. got to think through where we're going to save this or where we're going to save that. And my wife's brilliant at that type yeah. of stuff. And but I'm really not. But you're in agreement and, so and you're you sit in agreement and, and you sit and you talk through it. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's helpful about being two and not one. Yeah. You know, is that you, God has given you a, a wife or a husband to be able to sit down with, and that's your immediate neighbor as well. Has it ever come to a point where you've disagreed about how to spend a certain amount of, yeah, of money? Course. And, 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 yeah. and that brings a bit of a strife, a dispute. Yes. Onto, yes. I don't agree with you necessarily. Yeah. Uh, has that ever happened? Yes, and, and disagreements, what we need to realize is that disagreements aren't necessarily sinful. Yeah. As soon as it becomes a conflict, then it becomes sinful. Yeah. And um, so disagreements agreement we're going to have that because we're different people and uh, and i think that there's always a challenge within that to continue being honoring to the lord when there is disagreement and to be able to talk through it and what always helps and and i think that this has been a key even for my own wife and myself is that god's word always trumps me and her and god's word is that which we would go to 
and his way is always clear and we should sometimes we don't see it because we want to see our own way but we need to come with a humble attitude before god's word and let his word direct our paths and sometimes you might even have to go to somebody that will be able to help you see it like a um you know i've got a great fellow elder in the church i'd go to him and talk to him about it maybe and and those are helpful avenues does she, avenues, go, to? Does she go to and and if you know you say god's word trumps uh, what you guys want to do, and it and it sounds and forgive me for being I'm not being facetious mm. here or anything, but it sounds very spiritual. But ultimately, there's something that needs to be done. You yes. need to take a decision. Um, uh, who's very, who's very, right and who's wrong? Very then? practically, um, I think that every Christian ought to be discipled yeah. while they are also discipling. And so, if you don't have those type of relationships in your life as a Christian, you ought to get those type of uh, situations in place yeah. my wife meets with one of my f- my fellow pastors um, we have a wonderful relationship with Grace Primrose um, and we have a wonderful relationship with Calvary Baptist Church yeah. the elders of those three churches get together one Tuesday per month and we've got a joint evening service coming at the end of this month on the 30th um, I'll be preaching at that at uh, Calvary or sorry at Grace Primrose in the evening service and we have all three churches that come together and the point that I make there is that those are older brothers than what I am yeah. I look to them yeah. they're able to give me advice even yesterday I called Pastor Edward Kanye and um, asked him a bit of advice on something else yeah. that I was facing but my wife gets together with Will Tate's wife as well and yeah. they have a wonderful time together she's an older something very important Lord. you're saying yeah woman ministering to woman yes. men ministering yes, yeah. men yeah, older older women are to be teaching younger women in the in the faith, and and yeah. we gain mothers and fathers in that sense. Yeah. And there's trustworthy people, and they talk through things like parenting, and they talk through things like uh, how they treat their husbands, and you know. Th- so it, you need to have somebody that you can go to that is older than you in the faith. And sometimes there's actually an, a younger saint that becomes such a blessing to you as well because you're busy shepherding somebody else. And you're also busy um, discipling somebody else. And maybe even that younger saint yeah. is able to give you a word of wisdom from God's word. In the, so. in the multiplicity of counselors, there's yeah. great wisdom. But obviously, we must study God's word. And his word does speak to us about yeah. these things. Yeah. And so we do allow God's word to be above us. And there are times where there are gray areas. But then we also have the order that there is within God's word. Yeah. And, and at times, a wife does need to to trust the Lord and see through her husband to the invisible person of Christ and to realize that me submitting to my husband is as unto the Lord. I might not like the decision that's busy being taken, but I'm going to trust Jesus with this. Mm. And there is even command for us in Timothy regarding when there is a disobedient husband to keep on with a gentle and quiet spirit winning him over in that sense. And so there's multiple ways that God's word speaks to this. All right. I've heard the husband who wanted to avoid a dispute with his wife and he uh, ever so softly said to her, look, lovey, if I agree with you, we'd both be wrong. So, uh, yeah, be careful on how you communicate uh, that uh, dispute and that uh, that differences to your wife ultimately uh, you know there's somebody a world out there watching us and listening on how we're dealing with our marital issues rocky somebody asked a very interesting question i've never heard this question in scriptural before and it simply says this uh, can a person extend their life on earth or live longer 
than they were originally meant to. How would we know? Because there's a scripture that says your days are numbered. It's mm. written in the book of life. God knows exactly how long you're going to live. I think this question kind of treads between that God's sovereignty and man's responsibility element again. And there is a level of mystery here because there's not like an explicit place that says one can extend their life on earth. However, there's actually so many passages that come to mind that suggest that it is possible. Now, if you um, just take a journey through the book of Proverbs, for example, and you see the wisdom literature and how that can extend somebody's life or actually diminish somebody's life. And we had a question like this not long ago regarding can your life be shortened? Yeah. And, and we do see that even with what we have with First Corinthians um, 11 as well. But, but if we think about this and you think through somebody like Hezekiah, that comes to mind also. He prayed to God once he had received the prophecy that he would die. He prays to God and he mourns before God and God grants him 15 more years of life. Yeah. And so God hears his prayer and that's happening inside of time. What we've got to remember is that God's outside of time. Does anything take God by surprise? Of course not. But for us, could we die sooner? Could we die later? And um, there is that element where it's while we're in time, we don't really see this. And that reference is Second Kings 20, verse 1 to 11. Another passage that suggests that it's possible to extend somebody's life on earth is Proverbs 3.27, which says, Honor your father, your mother, that the days will go long with you. You know, there's this, there's this element where you can, in a sense, prolong life, even what we see in Exodus 20, where it says when you honor your mother and father, then you will live long in the land. Yeah. So you could live short in the land or you could live long in the land that the Lord has given you. Proverbs ten twenty seven: the fear of Yahweh prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. So wicked people, <laughs> their years are shortened. Yeah. If you fear Yahweh, your year, years will be lengthened. Yeah. You know, Proverbs thirteen three: the one who guards his mouth keeps his soul, and the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. You know, you're going to be a big mouth. You're probably going to lose some teeth. Especially if you're in the Boxburg Benoni um, Brackpan <laughs> area, Careful I heard the, now. the, pa- the now. pastor of Brackpan Baptist Church, and he's gonna—I'm throwing him under the bus here. He said to me, "You know, Chuck Norris has never ever lost a fight. Do you know why?" And I said, "No, I have no idea." I said he never came to Brackpan. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you open your mouth too wide, you can yeah. shorten your life by oh. the things that you say. Proverbs 14.32 says the wicked is thrust down by his own evil, but the righteous takes refuge even in his death. So there's, there's much of this that we see that it's possible to, in a sense, prolong your life based on what we see in the scriptures, at least, yeah. There's, these are just a few verses, but there's other facets that we, and factors that we need to think through that affect lifespan, genetics, environment, lifestyle choice. These are things that are real. And so ultimately, the, the length of our lives is up to God that we've got to see as the overall overarching theme and our days he knows the days that are before us but however when we think through what the bible teaches there's often very practical things that we can do to live longer like healthy living or or um you know making our lives even more full in that sense yeah. so as we think through some of this honoring your parents you know that's um not just exodus twenty twelve, but ephesians 6 2 to 3 where Paul reiterates what was said there, and he says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long in the land. So even the New Testament says there's a way to live long in the land, and that is honor your parents. But then living healthy, you know, we talked a little bit earlier on about smoking, for example. You get asked that everywhere you go if you have any medical thing. Are you a smoker? Were you a smoker? What's your lungs like? 
And the Bible teaches that we should care for our bodies, both physically and spiritually. And that means eating healthy foods, exercising regularly, getting enough sleep. Sleep is an important thing, and the Bible even speaks about sleep. Rest. You know, it's not good for you to stay up late and rise early. I think one of the Proverbs says that. You know, then you just toil yourself out. You know, you need to take rest. If you come apart a while with me, Jesus says to his disciples. And Proverbs twenty three twenty to 21 says, Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine yeah. or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe them with rags. And so the Bible teaches about this. First Corinthians 10.31, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do to the glory of God. But then also having something, and, you've, and I don't want to get into like the positivity movement necessarily, but, but having a positive outlook in yeah. life. Yeah. You know, for example, what Proverbs 17.22 says, a glad heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones you know you kind of like you can see the way that even having the right attitude makes a big impact on your life and then you can have you can trust in god you know proverbs yeah. uh, psalms teach us that oftentimes and then one key verse that often comes to my mind and that might be something that a listener might be thinking through at the moment hosea 4 verse 6 which says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge I also will reject you from ministering as my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of my God, I myself also will forget your children. And so there's an element that actually knowing God's word yeah. has a prolonging your life kind of an effect. Wow, and it almost sounds like a, a loss of a salvation. Uh, if if you harden your heart and you and you turn around, we've spoken on that, we've mm. touched on that. Um, Rocky, time is catching up with us. Aniki had sent one and says, talk to me quickly about 1 Corinthians 11, 27, 28, 29. What does it say? Yeah, it says, therefore, whoever eats the bread or, or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man who tests himself, and in so doing, he, is, he eats of the bread and drinks the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks. Sorry, it says, but a man must test himself, verse 28. Excuse me. And then verse 29, for he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment on himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. And so we are commanded there to actually judge the body and to look at our own lives and to think through this, the Lord's Supper is a sacred meal that should be taken seriously. If we take the Lord's Supper without being properly prepared, then we bring judgment on ourselves. We're missing out then on the blessing that could have been received in the proper use of the Lord's Supper. Now we do see in the rest of the context of chapter 11 that this is when the assembled body of Christ is together and the taking of the body of and the blood of Christ. But here are some questions that you should rightly ask yourself when you are determining whether you are eating and, um, and when you prepared the Lord's Supper. Am I in a right relationship with God? That's the first question you ought to ask. Am I in a right relationship with God? You will not be when there's unconfessed sin and when you are living in sin and when you have been rejecting the Lord on your day-to-day -day basis. That accounts for if you're walking into church and you see all of a sudden the communion table is right yes. in front there. Yeah, if confess your sins right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so important. Yes. And then am I living in sin is the next question. Because you, sin is very blinding. But you ask, am I in a right relationship with God? The second question you could ask is, am I living in sin? 
is there something that I'm aware of that I'm doing that is dishonoring to Christ? And then, am I examining my heart and making sure that I am not taking the Lord's Supper for granted? We don't just have this as a cliche. At Benoni Bible Church, we have it every second week. And um, we, we actually, at one, fa- one stage, we had it every single week. But, um, you know, the Bible doesn't give us a, a directive as far as how often you should have it. It says as often as you have it. There's no legalistic element to this. Yeah. But at Benoni Bible Church, we have this every second week. But it's easy for our people to think that this is just a cliche. We just take this, um, you know, we just take this bread, we take this cup. No, but we've got to actually think about this. And we've got to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. But we also need to be penitent regarding the fact that it's our sin that put our, put our Lord at the cross. All right. And so... Um, you know, we, when you answer yes to these questions, you know, am I living in a right relationship with God? Am I living in sin? Am I um, actually examining my heart right before taking this? Then you've got to ask yourself, well, hold on. Maybe I need to stand back from this. Maybe if yeah. I'm not living in a right relationship, if I am living in sin, if I'm not actually seeing this and I'm taking it for granted, rather step back for a bit and examine your heart, examine what Christ has done, and then re-engage again. It's better to rather let the cup pass from you yeah. or let the bread pass from you. We even warn our people on that Sunday. We say, if you're not a believer, if you're not in Christ, if you're not yeah. part of the body don't of Christ, partake. don't partake. Yeah. This is for those that are trusting in Jesus as their Lord. What about having it at home? If, if somebody is sick and can't go to a hospital, if do we call the elders then to come and minister communion? Or, or, or can my husband or my wife uh, help me at home? Or, yeah, or, or, I, I think um, I think there are times where you are providentially hindered. Yeah. And, and, and that's a good time for a saint to be in. And then the saint should be praying that the Lord would restore them to health so that yeah. they can once again be with the people of the Lord. And so, so my position on this and what I believe is the biblical position, if you go and look at all the rest of 1 Corinthians 11, it's always as a assembled church, as a body of believers, as you do this as the body of Christ, the church. And so um, I have administered the Lord's Supper at times to, to people in the past that, that have been in hospital, etc. Yeah. But my position has become very much, it, it is part of when the assembled body of Christ is together, and it's a special moment for that body of Christ under the headship of Christ um, within the body of Christ. So I know that during the COVID years, some people were now starting to have um, the Lord's Supper virtually, etc. I don't see that anywhere within the scriptures. And so I did actually preach a message on this. If anybody's interested, they could probably go search for it, First Corinthians 11, on our YouTube or our sermon audio. They might be able to find it there. Rocky, already we have people on WhatsApp that says, uh, your email address, please. I, 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 I have a feeling you've got some emails coming your way. Good, okay. Rocky, uh, sorry, pastor at bononibiblechurch.co.za. I did also see somebody was asking for the address of Benoni Bible Church. 149 President Brandt Road and our services are at half past 9 in the morning and then 5 o'clock in the evening. There you have it. Uh, in short, in a nutshell, and if you want to get hold of him, uh, it's better. You write the email. Pastor at the Benoni Bible Church Somebody else that said, and Rocky, I'm going to end off with this one. We literally have 30 seconds left. I'm not even sure. if it, Maybe we should let this one stand over. Here it is. My husband was addicted to Pornography for years, which later led to an extramarital affair. I was so lost, so broken. We joined the cell group, and after he was at a men's camp, he gave it up. Now I see him looking at his stuff again, and it breaks me to pieces on the inside. What am I to do? Maybe we should t- tackle this uh, uh, next time. Uh, some comments on it before we greet? We've got 30 seconds. Yeah, uh, my heart just goes out so much to this sister. 
Um, and maybe we can just pray for her, and then next week we'll try and deal with that first. Shall we do that? First, first go. Lord Jesus, I know that this is not just um, maybe this sister, but other sisters that are listening as well, and, and even some brothers that have struggles even in their marriage and um, you know with their wives as well. And, and we know, Lord, that sexual intimacy is such a, a precious thing between a husband and a wife, and we mourn over the fact that our world is so broken in regard to this. And so I do pray for this sister who's putting this question. Uh, please, would you comfort her heart? Would you be the husband of her soul as she needs you, Lord, in this time? Help her to look to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would give her wisdom. And even as we seek to answer this next week, we pray that you would give us wisdom in that as well. We thank you that you know all things, that nothing is hidden from your gaze. And we do pray for the marriages that are represented through our listeners today. Lord Jesus, please, would you do a work in the hearts of the husbands and the wives that you would be exalted, Lord. Um, we, we, we pray that we would hold marriage in high honor as your word has taught us. And we do pray that you would be pleased to reclaim and even bring about a revival in marriages in our country and in our homes. And especially as Christians, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would protect us and help us to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Unchain us, Lord. Unchain mm. us. Forgive us for our brokenness. Pastor Rocky, bless your heart. Pastor at Benoni Bible Church, Thank you so much for all the questions. One hour, done and dusted, gone into all eternity. Thank you for listening. Trust that God is doing a wondrous work in your heart, that the seed be sown on fertile soil. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Pastor Rocky, till next time, keep well. God bless you. Shalom. Thank you. Blessings.